Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Taylor. Today's topic is sexual harassment in the workplace. Yes, sexual harassment in the workplace. This is our topic for today. As we know, sexual harassment can happen anywhere. It can happen at home, it can happen in public spaces, in the streets, it can happen in the church, it can happen in a library, on college campuses, in the military, it can happen anywhere. But today we're specifically dealing with sexual harassment in the workplace. Now we're dealing with the laws in the United States of America. Of course, other countries have their own laws against sexual harassment in the workplace. Unfortunately, some countries don't have any laws at all to protect people from being sexually harassed in the workplace. And we'll talk more about that. Now let's find out what is the definition of sexual harassment in the workplace. According to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC, they define sexual harassment as the following. An unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature constitute sexual harassment when this conduct explicitly or inexplicitly affects an individual's employment, unreasonably interferes with an individual's work performance, or creates an intimidating, hostile, or offensive work environment. That is the definition of sexual harassment in the workplace by the EEOC. Now, who are the harassers? Who can commit sexual harassment? Now, anyone who is in the workplace or work environment can be a perpetrator of sexual harassment. The supervisor, the boss, any of your coworkers, any staff member, a client, a customer, a business partner, or a contractor. The person who is harassing the employer doesn't have to be a person in the position of power or authority. A lot of people assume that in order for something to be considered a form of sexual harassment, that it has to come from a boss or a supervisor. That's not true. Your coworkers, as I just stated, anyone in the office can be a harasser. Now, the employer, according to the law, has a responsibility to protect its employees from sexual harassment by outsiders as well. Example, people who are not direct employees, such as delivery people, vendors, maintenance workers, or anyone not hired by the company, but conducts business with them. Traditionally, females were typically harassed sexually in the workplace because they were being victimized outside the workplace. So it's just a continuation of being bullied sexually by men who feel entitled to have their way with women. Foreign action to be considered sexual harassment in the workplace is determined by the person who is being harassed. If they think or believe the sexual behavior is offensive, threatening, 
intimidating, or inappropriate, then it constitutes a form of sexual harassment. It doesn't matter if the person who is doing the harassment has good intentions or it's not their motive to cause any harm. Their behavior may still be a form of sexual harassment. Now, sexual harassment can happen to anyone. It doesn't necessarily have to be a female. But the majority of the cases, we do have males who are committing sexual harassment against females. Very important. It happens to males, but the majority of the cases is happening to female. And traditionally, it was initially predominantly, if not 99.999%, females who are being harassed by males. Again, this is just a continuation of the sexist behavior that women were experiencing outside of the workplace. It was just a continuation. Right. Now, according to federal law of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, it is illegal for employers to allow their employees to be sexually harassed at work due to their sex or gender. It is their legal obligation to provide a work environment that is free from discrimination and harassment. Employers are held accountable for failure to prevent or stop workplace discrimination. They are responsible for addressing and correcting this problem once they know it's happening in the work environment. Employees can sue their employers for sexual harassment. A person who reports sexual harassment in the workplace cannot be punished or threatened for this action. It is illegal for the employer to practice retaliation against this employee in the following ways. Now, once someone reports that they are being sexually harassed, whether it's a male or a female, it doesn't matter. They cannot be retaliated against in the form of being demoted from a higher position to a lower rank. They cannot get their pay cut or change in salary. They cannot lose job benefits. They cannot be assigned to different job shifts. They cannot get a reduction of work hours or increase of work hours. Now, anything that is done to harm, threaten, or intimidate the employee after they report some type of sexual harassment is considered to be a form of retaliation. Now, they cannot be assigned new duties or responsibilities without compensation. They cannot be forced to take time off without pay. They cannot be coerced to work overtime. And sometimes they're not invited to workplace activities, events, or meetings. They're not being connected to what's going on in the work environment anymore. They're basically cut off, isolated, or ridiculed. And if they're doing that, if they're doing that, then it creates a problem. It creates a problem and it definitely could be considered a form of retaliation. Now, employers must post a written policy on sexual harassment that informs workers or employees how to report or file a complaint about it. 
Some states require employers to provide sexual harassment prevention training to employees and supervisors. So according to the law, okay, all employers who have 15 or more employees must post a written sexual harassment information to inform the workers that they do have the right to file a complaint if they are being sexually harassed. Now, it's extremely important to report the sexual harassment to the human resource department, manager or supervisor. It's recommended you make a written report, whether you're sending an email or a letter, in addition to speaking to someone. It is documented that this conversation took place. The employer cannot ignore the complaints of sexual harassment or refuse to take any action to stop it. They are obligated legally to take prompt action to address this problem. They have to conduct some type of investigation. They have to talk to the accused, the witnesses, or other employees that were in the area who are aware of this. They have to stop the harassment and they have to prevent any type of retaliation. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to inform people that they do have rights, especially women, because women are the victims of sexual harassment in the majority of the cases. So it's very important that women know and men that they have the right to be safe in their work environment. They have the right to be protected according to the law. They don't have to be subjected to any type of sexual harassment, any type of intimidation, discrimination, any type of inequality. Now, as an employee, you have the right to file discrimination charges with the government agencies. After reporting the the sexual harassment to your boss or to the, the human service department, you can also file a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. You can also file a complaint with the state or county Fair Employment Practice Agency. Employers cannot retaliate against the employee for filing with EEOC or Fair Employment Agency. You can file a lawsuit against the employer for sexual harassment. You can request a right to sue notice from the EEOC or state agency. Now keep in mind, there are statutes of limitation which are deadlines to file a harassment case with government agencies. Now the EEOC gives you up to six months from the last act of the harassment for you to file a complaint. If you wait after six months, then you won't be eligible to file a complaint with the EEOC. Now, before re- before um, reporting the harassment, before you report the harassment, make sure to document or write down all important information, right? Because some people are being sexually harassed and they're not really documenting anything. They're not really keeping track of what's going on. They don't know the time the incident happened, where it happened, when it happened, what was said, what happened. They have no idea. So when they go file a complaint, if something's been going on for six months, they don't remember the details. So it's very important that you write down the details when something happens to you, some type of sexual harassment, and we're going to talk about the different type of behaviors 
and details that constitutes forms of sexual harassment. Because sometimes people don't know. All right. It's very important that you document the harassment. You write the dates that the incident happened and the time. If something happened on Monday, February the 3rd, 1999, at 5 o'clock p.m., you need to document that. Who was involved? Who was the harasser? Write down the harasser's name, complete name, because sometimes people are working with people and they don't know their name. They know them as, you know, Mr. Green, but they don't know that their name is Johnny Green because there could be many Mr. Greens, Johnny Green. Who, if there were any witnesses, if there were any witnesses, write the name of the witnesses that were around. The people who were present that could be served as witnesses. Now, exactly what was said or done. Write details. Now, remember, you don't have to be grammatically correct. You're just writing so you won't forget. What did you say or what did you do in details? What was your reaction? What was your response? How did you feel? What happened? Keep notes of all conversations or meetings. Ask witnesses to write a statement if they're comfortable with writing a statement. Now, keep all evidence if there are any. If there's any pictures that was sent to you, any texts, emails, physical items, did they send gifts, flowers, clothes, or anything else, make sure you keep the evidence. Stick to the facts without all the emotions. Be as objective as possible. There's nothing wrong with you writing your feelings or your emotions, but at the same time, what's going to help your case are the evidence, the facts. Right. That's what you're going to make sure that you write. Employees can get assistance from the union if they are a member of the union. Now, report the sexual harassment to union, the union representative or shop steward as soon as possible. Employers can file a grievance for sexual harassment or discrimination. I'm sorry. Employees can file a grievance for sexual harassment or discrimination. The union will conduct an investigation of the allegations and address this issue with the employer. So going to your union is another option that you have. All right. So let's just do a quick recap of your options. You can report the sexual harassment to your boss, to the supervisor, to the human resource department. You can go to the EEOC and file a complaint to the state fair employment office. You can sue the employer, and you can file a grievance with the union. So there are many options that are available to people who are being sexually harassed. You don't have to be sexually harassed and tolerate it. There's no reason to tolerate sexual harassment, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. You have different remedies that are available to you to help you. Now, sexual harassment does not have to be any direct physical sexual act committed against another person. I'm going to repeat that. Some people don't know what sexual harassment is, and we're going to go ahead on and define what is sexual harassment. Sexual harassment does not have to be any direct physical sexual act committed against another person. Usually it is about harassment, intimidation, abuse, and bullying someone because of their sex or gender identity. All right. Now let's go ahead on and detail what is sexual harassment. If it's not direct 
physical sexual act, what is it? A lot of people are totally clueless about what it is. And a lot of people, because they are subjected to sexual harassment outside of the workplace, when they go to work, they just normalize that behavior. They see it as something that's typical, something that women are subjected to, something that's going to happen and there's nothing that they can do about it. Now, unfortunately, some people do live in some countries where there are no laws concerning sexual harassment in the workplace, and they do have to just tolerate it and endure it and, you know, just be just tortured every time they go to work. Some people do have to go through that until they find another job. They have to go through this. But it's a great thing when you live in a country that have laws against sexual harassment. You could definitely use those laws to protect yourself. Now, let's talk about what is sexual harassment in terms of behavior. Making unwanted requests for sexual favors. Someone is asking an employee for sexual favors. They want to have sex. They want to engage in some type of sexual activity, whether it be oral sex, anal sex, vagina sex, whether it is requesting that you show body parts. Some people just want you to show them your breasts, show them your butt, whether they just want to touch you in an inappropriate sexual way. Some people just want to have sexual conversations. Okay? They want to they want to have sexual conversations. That's what they want. They may not want to touch you, they may not want to have sex with you, but they want to have sex talk. And if someone is asking you to engage in sexual conversation with them at work, it's against the law. Some people may ask you to wear certain type of, of, of clothing that may be sexually revealing. Okay. They may become sexually aroused by your clothes. Right. Maybe they're requesting sexual pictures from you. They want you to take nude pictures or revealing pictures for them. So all those things constitute sexual favors. Very important. A lot of people do befriend other people on the job. They do develop friendships and relationships, but it's not okay for any one of your coworkers, whether they male or female to ask you for any type of sexual favor. They cannot do that. If they do that, that constitutes sexual harassment. Now, if you're okay with that, if you're okay with that, it's not going to constitute a form of sexual harassment, but it is inappropriate And it definitely can be classified as a form of sexual harassment if other people are noticing it because other people may take offense and other people may feel intimidated because they see you engaging in some type of sexual favor with your coworkers. So someone may be considered a victim of sexual harassment because they're subjected to someone giving others sexual favors. Okay, so that can also create a problem. Making fun of a group because of their sex or gender. Making offensive comments about this group or stereotyping them. Okay? We're talking about people who are sexist. Sexual harassment can also be people who are sexist and they're talking about a particular group. The majority of the case is women because women are the majority of victims of sexual harassment. In some cases, you can have some women talking about men or you can have a same-sex 
you know, a person may be gay and you have other men who are talking about gay men. Okay. So yes. So if you're making fun of a group because of their sex or gender, okay, you're making offensive comments about this group or stereotyping them, you're considered to be a sexist person and it does constitute sexual harassment. Using gender-based, sexual-based slurs or offensive language, referring to women as sluts, whores, or bitch, calling women names that are offensive. If you're doing that, it is a form of sexual harassment, even though you're not trying to engage in any type of sexual activities, but the fact that you are using sexual slurs, gender-based sexual slurs, you're specifically targeting women or men, okay, whoever you're targeting it. But if it's, they are targeted because of their gender and you're using sexual slurs, then it is a form of sexual harassment. All right. Now, staring and making gestures of a sexual nature, that is a form of sexual harassment. We're talking about the male gaze. You know, for women, they give women the male gaze. Men do that, all right? The male gaze is when a man is looking at a woman, staring at her in a sexual way. And most women do understand what the male gaze is. They know when a man is looking at them in a sexual way and he's making sexual gestures. It could be he's licking his lips. It could be that he's touching himself, right? Or he's just smiling in a way, all right? I mean, some people can say that's very subjective, but there are certain common sexual gestures that most people know are sexual gestures. I mean, there's there's no confusion, all right? It's kind of hard to prove that, but if you have a witness that, can testify that they've seen someone staring at you and making sexual gestures, then of course it can be proven. But if you have no witness, it's kind of difficult to really prove that, but it still constitutes a form of sexual harassment because this person is infringing on you in a sexual way. You're not asking them to stare at you in a sexual way. It makes you uncomfortable or you feel intimidated. So it does constitute a form of sexual harassment. So if anything, this should help people kind of guide their behaviors at work. Because when you're at work, it's a professional setting. You're not there to date. You're not there to just meet people to have sex. This is not a dating site. It's not a prostitution center where you go and pick up people to have sex. All right. It's not a public place for fun. It's not a club. It's not a strip club. So you have to be very professional in your work environment, all right? So if you are sexually attracted to someone, which is a natural thing, you cannot display that on the job. You cannot show that on the job. You cannot engage in any type of sexual activities on the job. Blocking someone's movement or preventing the person from exiting or entering, all right? Some people, they deliberately place their bodies strategically in a place that they can make physical contact with another person. Okay. They block you. They prevent you from leaving because they want to stare at you. They want to send messages that they want you in a sexual way, or they just want to intimidate you. 
All right. A form of sexual harassment is a form of intimidation. They're showing their power and control. They can control your movement, your entrance or your exit. That is a form of harassment. Displaying, sending or sharing vulgar pictures or pornography. That is a no-no on the job, right? That is considered to be a form of sexual harassment. If a person is showing you pornography, they're hey, look at this, or they're sending you, or they're trying to share pictures, pictures that are of nude people or people engaged in sexual activity. It doesn't have to be pornography in the sense that is a professional pornography. It could be any type of sexual activity. It could be pictures of themselves having sex with other people. It could be pictures of people that they know. It doesn't have to be a professional pornography clip or video. It could just be any type of picture or video that's showing some type of sexual activity. It could also be pornographic music. Right? They don't have to send you images or pictures. It could be that they're playing songs that include sexual messages. And they're deliberately sending it to you to send you a message that they want to have sex with you or they want sexual favors. Or they're just doing it to intimidate you to make you feel uncomfortable. Now, taking pictures of employees without their permission or filming them with a camera or recording their voice. Okay, or gaining access, access to their personal information. On the job, they may get, get access to their phone number, their address, their date of birth, their social security, just to get to know more about them. Now, this is a form of sexual harassment. The person is trying to get information about you. They're getting pictures of you. They're recording you. All that is illegal. That is a form of sexual harassment if that person wants to engage in some type of sexual relationship with you and they're doing all of that. Now targeting someone for sexual harassment and stalking them in the workplace or outside the workplace. Okay? Once they get your address from the workplace, okay? They will follow you. They will go to your house. They will follow you in different locations. Now that is a form of stalking. Stalking, and that is definitely a form of sexual harassment. Promising promotion or increased wages for exchange of sexual performance. This is something that happens all the time. Unfortunately, again, a lot of women are forced to engage in sexual activities to keep their jobs. All right. Not even to get a promotion, not even to get a raise, just to keep their jobs. They are forced to have sex. Now, Thankfully, this is not happening as much in the United States because we do have laws. I'm not saying it's not happening because it is happening, but we do at least have laws that's against it. Now, other countries, some of them don't even have laws or those laws are not being enforced. All right. So a lot of women are subjected to sexual assault, rape, sexual harassment because they need a job. Now, sexual comments about an employee's clothes, hair, makeup, complexion, or physique, okay? If someone is constantly complimenting you about your clothes, oh, you look nice, your hair. Now, someone could say that's just being polite. That's just social interaction in the workplace. Yeah, it can be. But sometimes there's a sexual undertone to the compliments. There may be some sexual innuendos in the comments, 
Like they may make, oh, you look good. You look good enough to eat. Mm. I mean, there are certain comments and certain facial expressions and body language that lets you know that these comments are sexually based. Even though they may not be directly talking about sex, but they're talking about your clothes, your hair, your makeup, your complexion or physique, definitely, definitely it can constitute a form of sexual harassment. All right. Or they say, oh, I like that hair. Mm, I got to take you out when you wear that hair. I mean, just little comments that a person may make. So it's very important that you're mindful in the workplace what type of comments you're making. There's nothing wrong with you complimenting someone if they look good, if they're wearing something nice, if they're beautiful, they have a nice shape. But you have to be mindful of what you're saying. Don't include any type of sexual comments or sexual gestures. The best thing to do is just don't compliment people in the workplace. Just don't do it. Okay, that will avoid any type of confusion. Now, referring to an adult female in any unprofessional terms of endearment, calling somebody sweetie at work, girl, sugar, doll, babe, honey, or any other inappropriate name. Now, because of sexism, all right, some males look down on females. Okay, they don't want the females in their work environment. Sometimes they don't believe that women should be working in that profession, in that field, or women should be working at all. Some of these guys believe that women should be at home taking care of the children and being a housewife, which is perfectly fine if that's their opinion, but they're not supposed to enforce that opinion on other people in the workplace. That's their opinion and they should keep that to themselves, right? It's okay for for them to call their girlfriend sweetie or their female friend sweetie, but in a work environment, it's not okay for them to refer to another female coworker or even boss as sweetie. Keep in mind that you're in the work environment. You cannot confuse your personal life with your professional life. But again, if this is a form of sexual harassment, The person is deliberately doing that, deliberately to remind that person that they're not valued as a professional. They're seen as someone that is less than and not good enough. They're not at that standard of professionalism. Okay, this is a way to degrade and disrespect women. All right, if you don't know that, now you know that. So in a work environment, you can't call people sweetie girl, sugar, doll, babe, honey, or any other inappropriate name. Now, of course, the men get sexually harassed as well. So you can't call a man sweetie, boy, honey, sugar. You can't do that as well. Now, asking about sexual fantasies, preferences, or history. If someone is talking to you, because sometimes, again, people get real friendly in the workplace. They get to know each other. They're working together for nine, 10 hours. And they spend a lot of time around each other. They've been around each other for years and they get real comfortable. It becomes like a second family to them. Then they really let their guards down. They become really uninhibited and they start asking some very personal or private questions. All right. Now, if you're asking someone about their sexual fantasy, their preferences or their history, that's a no, no, that is against 
the job policy. You're not supposed to be questioning people about their sexual fantasies, preferences, or history. And that can definitely constitute a form of sexual harassment. Making general sexual comments on your windows not directed at anyone specifically. They're not talking to you. You can have someone in the office that's always making sexual jokes. They're not talking to you personally, but because that they're just making general comments, you can feel offended as a woman or man. All right, so the job, the workplace is not somewhere where people are supposed to be engaging in sexual activities to include verbal conversations about sex, right? Repeatedly asking a person who is not interested to go on a date, all right? Now, many, many, if not all, companies have policies against inter-office or employees dating each other, okay? They do not condone dating in the workplace. Some places it is prohibited, it is not allowed. If they find out that employees are dating, they can be fired because that's against the workplace policy. That gets rid of a lot of confusion. In some cases, you know, people would consider sexual harassment. There are people who are dating, okay? And they come on the job and they're continuing their date. They forget that they're not outside of the workplace. They're calling each other sweetie. They're, you know, making sexual comments with each other. They're touching each other in an inappropriate place, kissing, hugging. Now, they cross the line. So if something happens and that relationship ends, especially if it ends on bad notes, these people can now accuse each other of sexual harassment because they've been sexually involved with each other. They've engaged in sexual contact. It's easy for them to now cross the line and say they're being sexually harassed. Now, that may not happen often, but it can and it does happen. Now, turning work discussions to sexual topics, right? We're talking about work, being professional, and all suddenly the subject is turned to a sexual nature. Now, that is can that can be constituted as a form of sexual harassment. Telling sexual stories or jokes, as I said earlier. All right, people will come in the office and are very sexual. Some people like to talk about sex. And it's not that they're trying to sexually harass anybody, but they are very expressive when it comes to sexuality. Maybe they're deprived of sex and that's why they're talking about it. Maybe they love to engage in sex. Maybe they're sex addicts. Or maybe, you know, they're just trying to secure a mate. And, you know, they're just throwing things out there to see who's going to be in agreement with them, who's going to respond, all right? They're trying to pick up. So they tell a lot of sexual jokes or stories, but that can constitute a form of sexual harassment. Telling lies or spreading rumors about a person's personal sex life or relationship. That constitutes a form of sexual harassment. If someone in the workplace told you about their affair, they were having an affair, or they told you about their sex life, and you decide that you're going to spread these rumors. You're going to say the person is gay. You're going to say the person is bisexual. You're going to say the person has a sex addiction. You're going to say the person is having sex with multiple people in the workplace. I mean, you cannot spread rumors and lies about a person's sexuality. Even if what you're saying is true, it's not a lie. 
but you're not supposed to discuss people's sexual behaviors or private life in the workplace. You're not supposed to do that. That is against county, po- I mean, um, job policies. Asking personal questions about social or sexual life. It's not cool. You cannot go around interviewing people, asking them about their social life, even if it's not sexual. Asking people, what did you do in the weekend? Who did you see? Did you did you have sex with anybody? Did you date anybody? Did you go out? You cannot bring the personal life into the professional world. So it's very important that we keep that in mind. Making kissing sounds, okay, smacking your lips or hollering. You know, some people like to holler. All right, so you can't go in the workplace and mwah, mwah, and be making kissing sounds and different sexual gestures, smacking your lips or licking your lips. You know, that can constitute a form of sexual harassment. Anything that's sexual in nature, you cannot do that. Sending sexually suggestive text messages or emails. All right, you cannot send any type of email that has sexual messages, whether it's images whether it's pictures, whether it's comments, you cannot do that. That constitutes a form of sexual harassment. Leaving unwanted gifts of a sexual or romantic nature. If you have interest in person, in a person who is working, you cannot leave unwanted gifts or <clears throat> romantic nature items. Anything that has any type of a romantic nature attached to it. You cannot send them a heart or candy, chocolate candy, anything that could be considered to be some type of sexual innuendo or sexual in nature, all right? The most important thing is don't give anybody any gifts of a sexual nature. I mean, you know, and sometimes people may not understand that they're sending a person a message. They think that, you know, because they like a person, maybe they may appreciate them and they want to acknowledge, you know, what they've done in the company or just to show them some type of appreciation. They're going to send them some chocolate kisses. Now, you don't know how that person is going to interpret that gift. Now, you may not have any type of bad intentions to send them some chocolate or some roses or some bubble bath. You know, or are you sending them some something, you know, a, a nightgown? I mean, a lingerie. Now, why would you be doing that at work? Doesn't make sense, but some people don't see anything wrong with that. But again, it doesn't matter what you think. If the person that you're sending this gift to is offended, they can say that you are sexually harassing them. Right? Now, repeated hugs or other unwanted touching of any body part. Someone is touching your hair, touching your hands, holding your hands, caressing your face, trying to kiss you, hugging you and squeezing you. You know how people give you that little hug and they kind of rub up against you? That is unacceptable. Now, even if the person is okay with it, but on the job is not okay. That person could be okay with that for a certain time. And then they can go ahead on and flip the script on you and say, hey, they don't want that. It's unwanted, and it could be unwanted at any time. So the best thing is for you not to do it. Discussing one's sex life in front of others to get their attention. Now, 
Some people, after a long weekend, they come to the office on Monday and they want everybody to know what they did during the weekend. And they're discussing their sexual life, their sexual activities. They're telling other co-workers how they had sex and it doesn't matter if they're male or female. All right. You can't do that. That can constitute a form of sexual harassment. Repeated compliments of an employee's appearance that makes them feel uncomfortable. If you're targeting one person and you're constantly, repeatedly commenting and complimenting them on their appearance, that can make them feel uncomfortable. If it does, it can constitute a form of sexual harassment. All right. Commenting on the attractiveness of others in front of an employee. Someone may be uncomfortable that you're constantly talking about another employee. You're talking about how pretty she is, how fine she is, how sexy she is. You're talking about her body parts. That employee could be uncomfortable because you're constantly talking about another employee in a sexual way. That constitutes sexual harassment. Being flirtatious or coming on to a person verbally or non-verbally. Some people are flirtatious. They love to try to engage people in some type of sexual conversation. Even though they may not talk sexual, but they're always trying to come on. They're always trying to be extra friendly or extra nice. Now it's a thin line. Being flirtatious can be very subjective. Where does it end and where does it stop? All right. But we as adults have an idea of what being flirtatious means. We have an idea. All right. So if you are constantly trying to come on to somebody, trying to be sexual, the tone of voice, the the facial expression, the body language. All right. That can constitute a form of sexual harassment, making someone feel sexually uncomfortable in any way, directly or indirectly. That's something that we have to take into consideration. Repeatedly standing too close to a person on purpose or trying to deliberately bump into them. That is a form of sexual harassment. Making sexually suggestive facial expressions. We talk about that. Hand gestures or other sexually suggestive body language used to convey a message of interest. Wearing clothes with sexually offensive or vulgar language. Some people wear clothes. They wear clothes with pictures that are sexually explicit. Right? Displaying posters or pictures of a sexual nature. Watching pornographic or violent videos in the common area. That could be a form of sexual harassment. If you are in the lunchroom or in the lobby and you're constantly putting the TV on porno flicks, that obviously is a violation of, I'm sure, office policies. And that can also be considered a form of sexual harassment. Drawing sexually violent or explicit images. Playing sexually explicit music or music with offensive language. Making fun of women. Degrading women as a group or mimicking female behavior to ridicule them. Exposing oneself sexually or performing sexual acts on oneself. Now that is creepy, but people go and they masturbate at work. That is very creepy and disgusting and nasty, but you do have people who are sick. Now, let's get into the sexual harassment that can progress to sexual assault. Now, all the things that we just spoke about was sexual harassment. There's no physical contact at all with anyone, but we do have some people in the workplace that decides that they're going to take it to another level. 
Now, they changed the sexual harassment to sexual assault, which is when the sexual harassment becomes physical. There's physical sexual behavior involved. There's contact that occurs without consent or permission. Sexual harassment is a violation of civil law, but it's not a criminal act. But sexual assault is a violation of criminal law. When someone rapes someone, there's penetration of the victim. When they attempt to rape, there's physical contact. Forcing victims to perform sexual acts physically, such as oral sex, anal sex, or vagina sex. Any type of unwanted sexual touching or fondling of the victim. Sexual assault with an object. Forcefully using items to penetrate the genital area or anal. All right? Now, all these things constitute a sexual assault. We're not talking about sexual harassment anymore. These acts are criminal acts. They are sexual assaults. Now, to avoid these sexual misconducts, many companies, businesses, organizations have policies that prohibit sexual relationship between co-workers, sexual relationship between employees and boss, even if the relationship is consensual. To avoid all that, because like I said earlier, some people are dating. They come on the workplace and they're having sex, right? And sometimes the sex may get, you know, to a point where it's not consensual. The person may not want to have sex. And now they're being raped or attempted rape, okay? Or there's sexual assault. So to avoid all that, most companies, if not all, they have sexual misconduct policies. They don't want you having sex on the job. Now, sexual harassment can occur anywhere. It doesn't have to happen exactly on company property. Anywhere business is being conducted or anytime an employee is working on an assignment. All right? So, you don't have to be raped on the job site. It could be that you are going to a meeting somewhere and your co-worker decides to rape you or commit sexual assault. It could be that you all are going on a retreat somewhere and that happens. So it doesn't have to take place on the work site. It doesn't have to take place on the work site. Very important because a lot of people assume that if it doesn't happen in the work site, then, you know, it's not considered a form of sexual harassment. If you are still working, it constitutes sexual harassment. Now, some working women may go along with the sexual harassment for different reasons. It doesn't mean they don't have a problem with it or they don't want it to stop. Now, let's discuss some of these reasons. Some women may be naive because the sexual harassment is not done directly or is is not typically done the way that they expect it to happen. They may not notice or understand what is happening. So some women allow the behavior to continue because they really don't understand what's going on. They're real naive. You have some women who are immature, who are young. Some women, again, are being sexually harassed outside of the work environment. So they have normalized sexual harassment. They have normalized it. And they are not really acknowledging that it is happening. They may not immediately resist or correct the inappropriate behavior because they don't recognize or view it as something that is wrong or offensive. They may be so familiar with being sexually harassed in other areas of their lives that it becomes normalized and expected. So when it happens at work, they just accept it as a common practice, ignoring it or dealing with it in the best way they can. They may believe that it's not an option to reject this sexual harassment from their boss or coworkers if they want to keep their job. So they go along with it 
to get along to secure their financial positions. Now, some women are hired specifically for their physical appearance, attractiveness, or body shape. They use their feminine charm to secure the job. So it's expected for them to be sexually entertaining to the boss, co-workers, and others. She may not like it, but that's part of the agreement or package deal. She may laugh at the sexual jokes or engage in flirtatious behavior. But at some point, the sexual behavior of some men may get out of control, become too demanding or stressful, and she can no longer tolerate that. Now, again, I'm not condoning this behavior that some women are hired specifically to look good in the office, to entertain men sexually. You know, they really are not bringing any skills or experience or knowledge to the table. They're hired specifically for that purpose. Now, some of these women are being exploited. Of course, they're being compensated, but they're still being exploited as sexual objects. And at some point, they may become tired of it. Or it may change from sexual harassment to sexual assault, and they can no longer tolerate it. And unfortunately, some women after sexual assault do stay on the job because they have no other means of financial support. Now, they may be worried about the harasser's reaction. He may become violent, aggressive, or retaliate if they don't cooperate. So that's why some of the women tolerate the behavior. They're afraid of retaliation. They are scared that the man may become violent, aggressive. So that's the reason why they tolerate it. They may be afraid to say no in the moment or not able to speak up to defend themselves, especially if they have no support or assistance. They may not be aware of the federal and state laws that protect them from sexual harassment and discrimination. They think nothing will be done to stop it if they report it. Unfortunately, in many cases, nothing is done. Yes, they conduct an investigation. Yes, they find out what happened, but they cover it up. They cover it up, okay? There's no witnesses. Of course, the accuser denies that anything ever happened, and they flip the script, and they actually blame the victim in some cases. So women do have legitimate concerns when they don't report sexual harassment or sexual assault because in some cases, the good old boy network, they don't do anything. They protect the accuser or the perpetrator. Now, they may have reported it, filed complaints, or fight back, but nothing has changed. Nobody was held accountable and the harassment continued. So they feel helpless, hopeless, and they feel powerless. They feel powerless. So that's the reason why a lot of women don't report it. Okay, now let's briefly talk about the effects of sexual harassment. Now, some survivors of sexual harassment may experience some negative effects on different levels. Emotional, mental, physical, financial, sexual, other areas. They do suffer. Sexual harassment is definitely something that's serious. Someone who's constantly harassing you every day that you're at work. I mean, that is very stressful and it could be very traumatic. Okay. So victims of sexual har of harassment are traumatized by the sexual harassment. They can develop post-traumatic stress disorder. They experience emotional distress. They can experience anger, shame, guilt, fear and humiliation. They could be stressed out. They feel betrayed. They feel personally violated. They go to anxiety. Sometimes they even have panic attacks. They have physical problems. Anytime you experience stress, high level stress, you experience anxiety, of course, it's going to affect you physically. They have increased stress levels. 
It can be headaches, body aches, stomach aches, digestive problems, fatigue, sleep disturbance, insomnia, oversleeping, waking up of the, in the middle of the night. They may experience eating disorders, lack of appetite, or overeating. They may experience mental health problems. They may go into a deep state of depression. They have difficulty concentrating, experience forgetfulness, loss of memory, and they may even become suicidal. Of course, any type of stress, any type of harassment, discrimination, trauma will destroy your self-esteem. So these are the negative things that happen to women. Sometimes they develop substance abuse problems. They have to drink or take drugs just to cope. They could be socially isolated, loss of support because their co-workers, their family members don't believe that they're being sexually harassed, especially if they need the job. Sometimes they'll say they're lying, accuse them of lying. Okay. Loss of income, unemployment, financial problems. If they decide that they're going to quit, a lot of women do eventually quit. They don't want to work there anymore. They can no longer take it. So once they quit the job or they're fired, they have a loss of income. They have financial problems. Some women may experience sexual dysfunction, loss of libido, no sexual desire, sexual anxiety. Now, if they were sexually assaulted or raped, they may develop STDs because they got it from the perpetrator, from the attacker. They may get infections and in some cases, unwanted pregnancy or forced abortion. Sometimes they're forced to abort their babies if they are impregnated by the boss or the supervisor or co-worker. A lot of these women, once they report the harassment, sexual harassment, they lose their credibility. Sometimes, you know, they are um, character assassinated. Their character is assassinated. Lack of confidence in men. Now they develop mistrust of men. They believe that all men are trying to take advantage of them. Okay. They believe that all men are going to exploit them sexually. They become paranoid, afraid of being in intimate relationships. They're afraid. Sometimes they end up being alone or lonely because they are devastated by the sexual harassment. It is a problem. It's a big problem. Now, recovery. How can someone recover from sexual harassment? Counseling, therapy with a professional. They can join a support group. They can confide in a close friend or family member for emotional support. Okay? Someone that's not going to blame them for the sexual harassment. They're going to hold the harasser responsible for their behavior. All right? Now, as part of recovery, they can report the sexual harassment incident, if possible, to the proper authorities. Right? They may have to report it, even though sometimes they don't want to, but if they don't report it, then that perpetrator is going to continue victimizing other people. That's why it's very important as part of your recovery to report it, even if you're no longer working there. Even if you quit or they fire you, you can still report it to the proper authorities. If it's the police, if it's the you know government agencies or HR, it's very important for people to know that this person has committed an act of sexual harassment in order for them to be held accountable. If necessary, they may have to report it to the police if it was a criminal offense. It's very important that they file official complaint or even a lawsuit. Now remove themselves from the perpetrator. Don't go anywhere that the perpetrator go. So sometimes women, after they leave the job or after they're fired, after, you know, they're no longer working there, sometimes in a, in a small community, they continue to see the perpetrator. 
So they may, may have to avoid places that the perpetrator is going in order for them not to feel intimidated or threatened. Practice being assertive. If a woman is approached or a man, okay, they have to practice being assertive. Don't tolerate any type of sexual harassment. Tell perpetrator their behavior is inappropriate and unacceptable. Don't feel guilty for standing up for yourself, saying no or stopping the negative behavior. Build your self-esteem, self-confidence, self-pride, and self-sufficiency to be better prepared to deal with stress and manage your emotional reaction. Practice self-care. Sleep, eat, stay hydrated, get exercise, relax. Just practice good self-care so you can be in a position so you can go ahead on and protect yourself. It's very important. You do not have to tolerate any type of abuse, any type of harassment, any type of intimidation, any type of negative behavior. It doesn't matter who's doing it. You don't have to tolerate that. That is the message that I am saying today. Whether it's sexual harassment at work, whether it's in public areas, whether it's in a church, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in, in, in the hospital, it doesn't matter, right? Please don't internalize your experience. Understand these negative people have problems and you're not targeted because of who you are. It's not personal. They would harass anyone. There's nothing about you that attracted this person. You don't deserve to be harassed, assaulted, or disrespected. It is very important that you understand that. These people who sexually harass people have problems. Okay, now let's briefly talk about the characteristics of men who sexually harass women. We acknowledge that there are women who harass men. And we do acknowledge there are men who harass other men. But right now, we're specifically dealing with the men who are sexually harassing women. Why do they do that? They have a sexist mindset. They see women as sexual objects. They view or perceive women as property, things, or instruments of sexual gratification. They have no respect for women. They don't value women as human beings. And that's the reason why they sexually harass women. All right? People feel, these people feel that they are entitled to do whatever they want because they have the privilege, power, and control of being part of a dominant group. Now, these are the male chauvinists. They are male chauvinists. People who are not held accountable for their actions or behavior. These individuals get away with past inappropriate action and were protected from dealing with any negative consequences. These are the characteristics of men who harass. They've been doing this and they've been allowed to get away with it. People who are part of a culture that tolerate oppression, exploitation, and abuse of minority groups to include women. These guys who assault women, they are part of these groups. People who want to use their position, status, or power to humiliate others, especially to shame them into submitting or staying in their place, adhering to the current power structure, all right? So sexual harassment sometimes is not even about sex. It's about putting women in their place, letting them know that they are powerless overall in society, that men are the ones who are dominant. Men who are male chauvinists, practicing male supremacy or misogyny, believing in the inferiority of all females. They believe that females should be subjugated. They don't want women working in the labor force to replace them or take their position as leaders. 
business owners or person in charge. They don't want women to challenge their authority or male domination. Again, not all men are like this. We're specifically dealing with the men who are sexist, who are chauvinist, who practice male supremacy. Take care of yourself, protect yourself from sexual harassment. Thank you.